Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Nobody wants to be around them. They're always looking to accuse. And nobody wanted to be around them. By the way, if you're negative and always the nose of life and judgmental and nitpicking and nothing's ever right, eventually, you'll be a very lonely person. There was a stark contrast between the Jewish leaders and Jesus. The Jewish leaders were always focused on and looking for the negative in everything. They looked for what was wrong. But in today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that Jesus focused on the positives, the yeses of life. And therefore, people wanted to be around him. He drew people to him. Are you a negative person? Do you focus on things that are wrong? If you do, pretty soon you will be a very lonely person. Be the fragrance of Christ. Look for what is positive. Like Jesus, focus on the yeses of life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Rest in Freedom from Religion and Tradition. So we have in Israel today something you don't see anywhere else in the world, basically, called Shabbat elevators. And what is a Shabbat elevator? A Shabbat elevator is programmed ahead of time by a computer. And on Shabbat, when that certain time comes, it just goes to every floor and it stops for a number of seconds and goes on. You never push it because if you push the button, you did what? You worked. It's amazing, isn't it? And so these people that don't even believe in God, they just ride on the Shabbat elevator because they don't want to work. It's interesting. The last time we were there, one of the young couples who didn't understand this, they were with us. They get on the Shabbat elevator. Well, you're not really supposed to, if you're not Jewish, you're not supposed to get on the Shabbat elevator. You're supposed to use one of the other ones. So they get on, a little Jewish lady at the back said to them, Shabbat. And they went, oh, cool. Shabbat to you. (laughs) That wasn't a greeting. That was like, it's Shabbat elevator. Get off my elevator. I thought it was great. So from all of this, from all of this, you can see incredible bondage. Well, what did the Mishnah have to say about what the disciples did? Plucking the wheat. Here's what it says. In case a woman rolls wheat to remove husk, it is considered sifting. If she rubs the head of the wheat, it's called threshing. If she cleans off the parts of the wheat, it's called sifting. If she throws it up in her hand to get rid of the shaft, it's called winnowing. It was all work. Is it any wonder that moments before Jesus said this, all you that labor and are heavy laden, 
why don't you come to me and, and rest? What he was saying is, why don't you get out from under all your rules and regulations? I mean, you're so tired, you're afraid, you just set it all down. It's man stuff. And come, and come to me and rest. Well, Jesus begins, you know, he's been accused. His disciples have been accused. So he's going to come up with three proofs. He's going to refute them. Look at verse 3. And you'll notice three times he talks about them not understanding what they read or not even reading it. Verse 3, he answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Verse 5, or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here, meeting Jesus. Verse 7, if you had known what these words mean, so here's the, see, this, these are three slams. These are the religious leaders who are supposed to know this frontward and backward. So he says, first of all, haven't you read about David? Haven't you read what the priests do on the Sabbath? They work every Sabbath. And haven't you ever read Hosea 6, which he's going to quote here, which talks about the character of God? He says, if you had known what these words mean, you may have read it, but you didn't know what they mean. I, God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would have not condemned. Notice, he just says it bully. My disciples are not guilty. They're innocent. And then he says, by the way, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. What did that mean? He said, I'm the one that made the rules for the Sabbath. What do you mean Jesus made the rules for the Sabbath? God did. Well, Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So Jesus says, you're going to tell me how to apply the Sabbath? I made it. I know how to apply it. The Sabbath is interesting. Jesus, before he even deals with the Sabbath, he goes to the Old Testament. He says, remember, David, you're king, David. Held in high regard. Well, one day David was running from Saul. Saul was sinning and trying to kill David, who would become the king of Israel. And David and his men were hungry. So they went in and, well, they took this, this showbread that they weren't supposed to eat. But they were hungry, so they did. And he says to the, to the Jewish leaders, you don't find anywhere in here that God condemned that. Why? Here's number one. You don't need to write it down. God created the Sabbath for the well-being of the people. He said it was for the people. It wasn't about rules and regulations. It was to minister to the people. See, the word Sabbath means, notice, to cease or to rest. To cease or to rest. Friends that are Seventh-day Adventists or people that are in, then that's fine. You know, the Sabbath is Friday night or whatever, and they think we're still under the Sabbath. Let me, I'll give you a little mini thing this morning. not going to go into deep. Maybe that's the background you come from, that we're still under the Old Testament. No, we're not. You see, the law in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, nine of them were moral commandments. One of them was ceremonial, and that was the Sabbath. It was only for the Jews. It was never for the Gentiles. And when we come to the New Testament, we find that the day of worship changed from the Sabbath to the first day of the week. But then we find something greater. We discover that the Sabbath was equal, notice, to cease or to rest. Let me read you from Colossians. You can just write this down and look it up later. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. 
Therefore, Paul says, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. You're worshiping on the wrong day. You can't judge me. The Bible, you, you want to worship on the Sabbath? Saturday, Friday night? That's cool. Fine with us. Because we learn that we actually worship God 24-7. That's right. And then he goes on and he says this. These, the Sabbaths and all these things, are nothing but a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. What does that mean? Well, when you see the meaning of Sabbath to cease or rest, here's what we discover. Our rest isn't in a day. Our rest is in a person. You see, on that cross, Jesus died. And what principle is in our face is this. You can stop trying to be good enough to get to God now. Jesus paid it. So for us today, all I have to do is accept his work. It's finished. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. So when I accept Jesus Christ, I, watch, cease to work for my salvation. By the way, working for it, never got it anyway. On your best day, you could never get it. So Jesus became, in the New Testament, our rest. So there's no need to struggle over your salvation. It's accomplished if you're a Christian. If you're not, it's time to come. That was his first invitation. Come to me. Now, as we go through this, notice some interesting things. I'm going to give you 10 lessons this morning. Here we go. Number one, what was Jesus saying? He says this, human need is more important than religious ritual. So Jesus says, you have to understand, God never gave the Sabbath. With all these rules and regulations, these hundreds of rules and regulations you Jews have put on the people, that was never God's intent. And so God is interested in people and their well-being, not in these rituals that man has come up with. Then remember he said in here, haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests work? What did that mean? Well, he says to these priests and rabbis, hello, what do you do on a normal Sabbath? Well, they take the animal, they cut the animal's throat, we drain the blood, and we put it in, cut them, build a fire and put it on that. Oh, what are you doing on the Sabbath? Oh, I guess we're working. Yes. Was it illegal? Was it unlawful? No. Says so you do it every Sabbath. And you're condemning these guys? You were really working. But it's not condemned. It's necessary. God is into human being ministered to. He asked the people to bring the sacrifices. They obeyed. Third thing he says is, well, if you know the scripture, God desires mercy, not just sacrifice. In other words, God says, I want loyalty. I want obedience. But you miss the meaning of the law. I created the Sabbath. I know how to apply it. Quit using man-made rules that are absent of compassion and absent of God's love. God loves you and wants to bring you to rest. So the second principle is huge. It's this. Proper understanding and application of biblical truths, that brings freedom and rest. You see, the Jews, well, they knew the verse... But they never applied it properly. He said, if you'd have known the meaning of Hosea 6.6, you would have never accused my disciples. 
but you didn't know the meaning. You just knew the verse. It's dangerous knowing verses without the application of it. And of course, that's what a pastor does. He takes the verses and gives the application so that the people can understand who God is. Let me apologize to you from all the pastors and the priests and even myself. Maybe in my weak moments, I've made you feel like you're not good enough or a former pastor did a priest or you could never be at rest with God. Now, God certainly wants to challenge us. You'll see that later. But I want to tell you, God loves you. He knows who you are. He says, I want mercy. I want people just to love me for who I am. You see, you can't motivate people with fear and guilt long term. Oh, I can do it short term. Pastors know how to do that. You parents know how to do that. Does it last with your teenager? No. The only way that true motivation works is if I have the right attitude. An attitude of gratitude. Why do I serve God today? Because I have to. God called me to the ministry. It was in my genes. I wish I'd have been born in a different family. (laughs) My dad, my grandpa, I got got the gene. No, I didn't get the gene. I got the calling. And is it a burden? Or you could tell if it was a burden. God loves you. That's what Jesus was trying to say. And he says, my disciples, no, they're not guilty. They're not guilty at all. You misunderstand the scripture. And if you think God is angry with you and mad with you and you can never please him, you misunderstand the scripture. Well, look at verse 9. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. The women would be on the left side and the men would be on the right. And it was a place that these Jews in little town of Capernaum always went. Remember, Jesus kind of got kicked out of Nazareth. They didn't want him, so he moved his headquarters to this town Capernaum. Well, when he went into the synagogue... He found, well, the Pharisees had set him up. They'd set him up. Take a look at the next verse. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Now looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Looking for a reason. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You know what I think is interesting? And you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's what happened. In those days, the Jewish law, the interpretation of the Jewish law had got so bad, here's what was considered work on the Sabbath. If you had fell and broke your arm on the Sabbath, you couldn't have anybody work on your arm on the Sabbath because it wasn't life-threatening. You'd have to wait till the next day. Saturday night or Sunday morning. But if you fell and you were bleeding to death, it was life and death, then someone could work on you on the Sabbath and it wasn't work. That's amazing, isn't it? So it is the Sabbath. And Mark tells us that on this day, they had set Jesus up and they were looking to see what he was going to do. Notice it says, will he heal on the Sabbath? Did the Pharisees believe that Jesus could heal? Yes. Jesus' enemies believed Jesus could heal. You know what? I find lots of churches today that call themselves Christians that don't believe Jesus still heals. 
That's a little ironic, isn't it? That the enemies of Jesus knew he could heal, but the churches of many churches today, people, well, Jesus doesn't heal anymore. That was dead and done in those days. I'm glad this morning Jesus still heals. Now, do I understand it all? Never. But I know he heals. Let me ask you, when's the last time you prayed for somebody to be healed? See, I could say, oh, I believe Jesus heals. When's the last time you prayed for somebody to be healed? I want to challenge you this morning. Don't be less than the enemy of Jesus. They believe Jesus healed. By the way, Jesus can heal your marriage. He can heal you from addictions. He's the healer. Well, in this set up, let me ask you. Here's a man that probably from birth, we don't know, but probably from birth has a shriveled hand. Let me ask you, is a shriveled hand life and death? No. He's had it how long? His whole life. So it's not life and death. So if Jesus heals him, is Jesus in trouble? Say yes. By the way, Jesus is always in trouble. He loved it. I imagine the disciples went, here we go again, watch. I love it. So the Pharisees no doubt set this man up. Here's something else, and I think it's a challenge to all of us. This man had been probably been coming to the synagogue his whole life and never healed. Why? Pharisees didn't believe in the power themselves. Isn't that interesting? They just had ritual. You see, the, it's interesting that these Pharisees are simply looking for a reason to accuse. They're negative. They're judgmental. They're focused on the don'ts of life. There's nothing positive in their life. And because of that, nobody wants to be around them. They're always looking to accuse. And nobody wanted to be around them. By the way, if you're negative and always the nose of life and judgmental and nitpicking and nothing's ever right, eventually, you'll be a very lonely person. You spew this junk on people. And pretty soon, no one wants to be around you either. Well, these Pharisees, you know what they were. They, they were these four things. Cynics, nitpickers, fault finders, and the last one, sin. <laughs> but as you look at those, if it was you, you wouldn't want to be around you. And so there's this incredible contrast between this kind of attitude and lifestyle and Jesus. Lesson number three, Jesus concentrated on the yeses of life and people loved to be around him. One of the greatest things you can do is be a yes person. If you're going to be like Jesus, you will be a yes person. Oh, it doesn't mean we don't correct people. It doesn't mean any of that. But our attitude is positive. We're looking at the good things God's done. You see, and when I'm like that, people are around me. You need to have friends. We've learned from the health field and obviously from the spiritual field. You need to have friends. Not family's important, but not just family. When's the last time you went out with another couple? A group of people. You singles. Just having fun. See, you need to do that. You need to enjoy life. You need to be around people. If you're a yes person, people want to be around you and you want to be around them. Make sure you're out doing that. It's healthy for us. It says that the people love to be around Jesus. 
go out with somebody new today. Invite them out. Invite them out tonight. And when you get to the restaurant and, and the waitress comes to your table, go like this. Cynic. Nitpicker. Just go through the whole list and just blow her out of the water. <laughs> It'll set the tone for the whole restaurant. It'll be incredible. She'll go to the boss and say, can I have another table? Those guys are idiots over in that corner right there. But see, sometimes we don't laugh at life enough. And Jesus loved life because he loved people. Well, what would he do? Look at verse 11. He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? He says, give me a break. You're going to now accuse me, but I can guarantee you if I followed you home, Pharisee, and one of your, your wife calls and says, your sheep's fallen in the ditch. Life-threatening? No. Would you pick it up? Yes, for sure you'd pick it up. So see, he knows this. So he just says to them, an important principle, how much more valuable is a man than sheep? Here's the key. You might want to underline your Bible. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath was made for the well-being of man. They destroyed it. Verse 13, Mark tells us that he asked the man to come right down front in the synagogue. Right down front. And Jesus said to the man in verse 13, stretch out your hand. Here's lesson number four. Faith is required to receive God's blessings. See, Jesus could have said to the man in the back of the, back of the synagogue, you're healed. Man wouldn't have had to do a thing, but he didn't do it. He asked for the man to come down front, and then he says, I'm going to heal you, but you have to do your part. I want you to obey, I want you to believe, I want you to understand that I can touch you. If you'll believe it, and you'll obey me, and if you'll stretch out your hand, it'll work. Remember, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus spoke it. He says, if you'll stretch out your hand, if you'll stretch it out, as you do, I'll heal it. Now tell me, if you've been like this all your life, would stretching it out be difficult? How about stretching it out down here in front of all the people? I'm thinking this guy's looking at this hand and going, if this don't work, I'm an idiot. He's probably privately said this, you know, I tried to do that many a time privately. Well, faith is a substance of things not yet seen. See what... What if he doesn't stretch his hand out? What do you think would have happened? Jesus says, stretch out your hand. He goes, I don't think so. How do you think the man would have left the synagogue? Just like this. Same way he came in. That challenges me. How many times in my life had God challenged me to stretch out my hand? And I refused to do it. And I lost out on what God wanted to do in my life. If we want to be free and rest from religion, we need to put a premium on human needs versus religious rules and regulations. In today's message, we learned that it is the proper application of biblical truths that brings freedom. Wrong understanding and application tends toward bondage. And Pastor Mark reminded us that people love to be around Jesus. That's because he focused on the yeses rather than the negatives. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will share more lessons on being free from religion and tradition. Faith plays a vital role as well as the understanding that continued rejection of Jesus leads to spiritual darkness. Knowing and obeying the truth and finding hope only in Jesus Christ are all important lessons. It's also important to find rest and freedom from the trappings of religion. Remember, only in Jesus can we be truly free. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.